Uh, well, we come to our teaching time this morning, but first, before our teaching time, let me share uh, just a few housekeeping updates. First of all, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I was at Harris Teeter here uh, in Old Town, and I was stuck uh, looking for uh, Thai chili paste uh, on the aisle when the guy behind me you know, went and had his you know, sort of cereal uh, crisis. Well, later that week, I think either Monday or Tuesday, I received this package in the mail uh, that is this beautiful jar of Thai chili paste, and there was no name on the sender. So somebody listening to uh, the message online uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, went, uh, I, I assume, almost immediately and, and ordered me some Thai chili paste. So I can't wait to use it, haven't used it yet, but thank you very much. Whomever you are, thank you for sending that to me. So that's first bit of housekeeping. Um, and I'm going to put it down here so it doesn't distract me about cooking Thai food uh, later. Um, the second bit of housekeeping I'd like to offer is uh, I'm really happy to let you know that this past Wednesday evening, our Servant Leadership Council uh, set as our target date to return to in-person worship as February 6th. So the very first Sunday in February, we fully anticipate being back uh, in this room, worshiping together uh, in person. The only thing uh, that could stop that is if there is yet another surge, another increase uh, in cases. It looks like uh, uh, the cases have begun to peak and even go down, which we praise God uh, for that. So February 6th, target date, in person, uh, we'll continue to uh, update you and bring you uh, all the information that we have on the return to in-person worship on February 6th. Looking forward to that. Well, today, as I mentioned earlier, we continue our series called Reaction. Uh, in this series, we're exploring a biblical framework for how we can deal with some of the most challenging emotions in life. Now, I think if we're all honest, we would all admit that we don't always have a pitch-perfect, healthy response to some of life's most difficult emotional challenges. And if we're not careful, we can develop unhealthy patterns for dealing with our emotions that keep us from experiencing the freedom and the joy and the peace of Christ. Last week, we looked at the issue of anger. Uh, next week, we're going to wrap up the series by exploring how we can deal with failure and the attendant emotions that often come with failure, like shame and a sense of low self-esteem. Today, what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at the uh, what could almost some, for some, sometimes be almost like an everyday issue of anxiety or worry uh, and even you know, fear. Anxiety, worry, and fear can take even the smallest concern and magnify it into a full-blown battle that can rob us of peace and contentment and joy. It is so easy to get wrapped up and consumed with worry and anxiety. We worry about our children or our grandchildren, worry about often our finances or our careers, our health, our relationships, the state of our nation. Of course, the, the last two years of being in a pandemic has caused a sense of anxiety and worry and, and fear. We could, if we wanted to, make a pretty long list. Some of them are almost what you'd call cultural worries or anxieties, and then some are very personal to each one of us. I read a fascinating fact that studies have shown that a dense fog that is thick enough to cover seven city blocks, which would be like, you know, here at the, the, the church sanctuary all the way down to the river, seven city blocks, a hundred feet deep, 
that dense fog consists of less than one full cup of water. Can you imagine that? And this is more than one cup of water right here. A dense fog that can cover that much space is only one full cup of water. That is emotionally what anxiety and worry and fear can be like in your life when it goes unchecked. Just a little bit can make you walk around in a fog and you cannot see life clearly. So uh, once again this week, I've invited Brian. Brian, will you come up? I've invited uh, Brian Caperton to come up and help us just with a few basic questions when it comes to anxiety and worry and fear. And, and uh, as we mentioned last week, Brian is not only a, a singer, guitar player, but he's a, 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 by day he's a mental health professional. And so, Brian, uh, thank you for joining us again. And just to give us a, a thumbnail overview. So if you had to, in, in a short amount of time, define these ideas of worry and anxiety, how would you define them? I would say that anxiety um, is a state and an experience that all humans uh, experience day to day, all mammals experience day to day, because it's playing into those brain mechanisms that we talked a little bit about last yeah. week, ones that yeah. we all have, the amygdala and the frontal cortex. Um, so anxiety, um, if I were to put it in a nutshell, is a perception of fear and a response to stress, whether that stress is perceived or if it's real. Yeah. That's what anxiety is. Okay. And so, so we have anxiety and then we have its, its cousin worry, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have fear. Can yeah. you, can you describe how those are interrelated and, uh, right. That's actually the word that I was going to use. They're very much interrelated. How, um, I'll have a client or a parent bring their child to me and say, my kid's experiencing a lot of, of wor or anxiety or worry. And when you're listening to people talk about that, it's a Pandora's box. It can go into fear. It can go into anger. It can go into relationships or a tough medical diagnosis. Mm. Anxiety is such an umbrella term for these real lived experiences that, yeah. that each of us have. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So... Um, uh, in your view, and I realize uh, this is your opinion, okay, but in your view, how has like a whole culture or community that has worked through a challenging situation like a pandemic, how does that potentially um, uh, feed into the worry and anxiety that people are carrying? Like if, if you had to just say uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. I think it is continuing to feed in our levels of stress and worry. I think that social psychologists who study things like groupthink and social norms and how society moves through things like a pandemic, they're going to continue to find signs of increased stress, um, social anxiety as people try to return to normalcy in a social environment. And we're seeing that now. Um, so again, returning to the self-care practices, returning to supporting loved ones and family members as we're all sort of migrating back to normalcy. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's really cool. Uh, not anxiety, fear, and worry, but, but you helping us put it in perspective. Oh, um, the opportunity. Yeah, really appreciate it. And um, so uh, this is uh, not on the, my list of questions for, for the message time, but what, what I've heard is um, you, know, you, people like you, and we have a, a lady in our congregation who's a, uh, a 
mental health professional, Pam Bacall, um, you all have been on the front lines of helping people over the last two years. Um, and so just on behalf of our congregation and all those who uh, have benefited from uh, the help of mental health professionals, uh, to you and to people like Pam, I say thank you. Uh, thank you. And, and I know that people are going to be leaning on uh, professionals like you as we continue to navigate uh, this time. So thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank yeah. you, Pastor Phil. Yeah. Um, so, uh, wow, R really uh, grateful to have that kind of perspective. And so if you're in a battle now with anxiety and worry or fear or any combination of the three, what I want you to know most of all is that God cares about you. And God cares about that which is causing you anxiety and anything of which you would be afraid. God wants you to be liberated from the grip of worry and anxiety and lead you to a place of his peace. Now, I'm going to put all my cards on the table this morning. In this series, we're dealing with some very serious topics like anger and, and anxiety and, and, and shame and, and failure. And there's absolutely no way that one sermon could even touch the tip of the iceberg on these issues. And just as we explored last week with the subject of anger, some of you may have a battle with anxiety or uh, as, as sometimes that comes out as worry or fear. And what's most helpful is not only the Word of God, but the Word of God coupled with uh, the help of a, a mental health professional. So please know uh, that we can't exhaust this subject in one message. But what we can do is we can draw strength and we can draw peace from the promises of Scripture and God's faithfulness as we seek to engage the issue. Jesus touched on this subject in what we might call a master class on discipleship. He was gathered with his followers on a mountain and he taught them this soaring and beautiful description of the kingdom of God and what life is intended to be like for his followers. He knew then that his disciples would deal with worry, and he knew then that his disciples now would deal with worry and anxiety and fear. So let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, and I'll read these words, but even as you hear these words this morning being spoken, allow the words of Jesus just to begin to guide you to a place of comfort and a place of peace. Jesus said to his disciples gathered, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And boy, isn't it a powerful promise anchored in the Word of God. Let me ask you right now to bring to mind a a worry or or a point of anxiety or fear that you have right now. And in these moments, I just want to invite you to, to lean in and in faith allow God to speak into this area of your life. Now, in these verses, Jesus gives us what I've outlined for us a It's not simple, but it is concise. A a three-word strategy on how to do battle with worry, anxiety, and and even fear. Now, before we dive in, I want to make sure we have a solid grip on what Jesus is not saying. First of all, Jesus is not saying here to live recklessly or thoughtlessly. I read a story about a a young accountant who graduated uh, out of business school, and he went for his first job on an interview at a company, and the business owner interviewed the man. He said, look, look, I am looking for someone who has a business degree, right? But what I'm looking for mainly is someone who will do my worrying for me. And the young accountant said, excuse me, sir? The business owner continued, said, I have a lot of worries in my life, and I don't need to worry about money. And so the young man sat for a moment. He thought, you know, I need a job. He said, well, tell me, yeah, how much does it pay? And the business owner said, it pays $300,000 a year. The young man said, that is crazy. A small business like this, there's no way you can afford to pay somebody $300,000 a year. The owner just said, you're hired. That's your first worry. Small group here, small laughter as well. Jesus is not saying that we should live recklessly without thinking or planning. Often, that is the way God provides for us. God uses all of who we are, our mindset, our experiences, our, 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 our uh, jobs, and so forth, to provide for us. So Jesus is not saying to live recklessly or without planning. Jesus is also not saying to live sort of a disconnected, numbed out, numbed with an end, numbed out life without deep concern for important issues. He's not saying that either. The key to this is the word that in the text is translated as worry. And that word is in the Greek, merimnao. It can mean to have an intense concern over something appropriate, such as your family's well-being, an intense concern over something like the church and, and God's work in the world, uh, a, an intense concern over the well-being of the least of these in our community. St. Paul used the very same word when he wrote to the Philippians to tell them that he was sending his protege, Timothy, to them. He said, I have no one else like Timothy who takes a genuine interest or concern, the word there is merimnao, in your welfare. And so this is a good, intense concern. Yet the same word can also have an intense, distracted anxiety and fear that is detrimental to your faith journey. In this very same letter, Paul wrote, do not be merimnao. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So the difference between soul-sucking worry and fear and anxiety and legitimate concern is often where we take it. If a point of anxiety and fear is taken to the throne of God, it becomes an act of faith and trust as we release it into the hands of God. And this concern invites us into a deeper place in our story with Jesus in all the different ways that God uses to heal us from this point. Or if we leave this concern, anxiety, worry, fear, in the finite realm of our control, then what do we do? We think about it. We stew on it. We pull our hair out. We bite our nails. We try to control it. It it manifests itself in other different types of emotions. And it controls us. And it becomes this anxious-laden worry. So how do we put our intense concerns on the fast track to the heart of God? How do we deal with them so that they don't do a number on us and deal with us? I don't want to oversimplify this message. Don't get me wrong. But I do want us to look at a three-word strategy that helps us take that journey to the heart of God in our desire to get a handle on anxiety and worry. And it's simply this. It's look, discern, and seek. Look, discern, and seek. In this master class on discipleship, Jesus says, when you are locked up with worry and anxiety, even about the essentials in life, he appeals to our eyes. He says, look, let your eyes follow the God activity that you see in the world around you. Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. God has provided for them. Look how much more will he provide for your needs as disciples of Jesus. Again, this does not mean that we just sit back and then we expect the mortgage to get get paid or the fridge to be stocked without our participation. God often uses our work, our savings, our friends, our family, the church to help provide what we need. I'm really happy to report to you that we finished 2021 here at OTCC ahead of our budget needs. Praise God. This means that we were able to fully fund our mission partners with extra, and some of these funds go to help meet the basic needs of others. And so just as Jesus says here, look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Look how God has taken care of them. There are oftentimes that we support the ministry of of the church and and, and other churches, and we support the ministry of of different uh, groups in, in the community that are doing good work, helping the least of these. That is God feeding the birds and clothing the flowers of the field. God blessed us incredibly last year. And in a few weeks, we're going to be share how we are going to use that access to the glory of God so that we can even more meet the physical and spiritual and emotional needs of others. You see, we may not always, in our finite vision and limitations, understand how God is going to provide. We may not always understand that. But Jesus calls us to look and see how God provides 
for his non-human creation and hear the promise of how, how what do he say? How much more? How much more will he provide for you? For most of us, it is not our basic physical needs that we need, but it could be other needs that we have, our spiritual needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our sense of purpose in our life, our ability to sort through past pain and to receive His healing. And one of the ways, as I've mentioned over and over, that God provides in a season of anxiety and fear is the help of mental health professionals like Brian and Pam and others. One more word about improving your vision for God's provision. Because that's what Jesus is saying, right? When he says, look, in a time of worry and anxiety, it is sometimes helpful to look backwards. Yes, to look back. We see this all the time in the Psalms. The psalmist will offer a lament and then look back and confess the goodness of God. Psalm 42, 6, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, the mount, from the mount of Mizar. So let me invite you to maybe a little bit of homework today and this week. Write down how God has provided for you and how he has delivered you in the past from a specific worry or point of anxiety or fear. Tell the story of how God worked. There's a really good chance that you will see him adding a new chapter to how he's going to continue to work to bring you to a place of peace in the future. Look at how God provides. The second word here is to distinguish. To distinguish between wants and needs. Jesus tells us that we can trust the promise of God to provide for our basic needs. You know, clothes like the flowers, how he feeds the birds of the air. Our basic needs. Jesus doesn't say anything here about our wants. If the disciple of Jesus is going to win the war over worry and anxiety and fear in life, it is often critical to distinguish between wants and needs. Let our minds travel for a moment back to the hillside and imagine those who first heard this message. Jesus was speaking to people, many of whom did not know where the basic necessities for even tomorrow were coming from. There was no concept of an annual salary, no concept of of workers' rights. A great deal of daily energy was spent on getting the basics for the day, like the bird of the air. Even still, Jesus says to them, don't stress out. Don't worry. God is going to provide. If they are challenged by Jesus not to stress about tomorrow's daily allotment of calories without a stocked pantry, how much more should we who have so much be free and liberated from anxiety and worry? I wonder how much of our stress and worry is caused over that which is really about our wants. I know not every point of anxiety and fear and worry is, but I wonder how much might be. Not too long ago, I got a little stressed out because my phone locked up and it was just not working right. And I was feeling all frustrated and I was out walking around and, and, and then it hit me. I mean, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, first of all, because I was out walking the dog when it happened. First of all, 
I, I can deal with this when I get home and probably fix it and not get all stressed out and worried and, you know, how it happens sometimes. And then it hit me at another level. I said, here I am stressed out over a phone that I can't get to work in the moment while I'm out walking around. Now, when I grew up, the idea of a mobile phone was how far I could stretch the phone cord to get away from mom and dad while I was talking to somebody on the phone. I'd stretch it like crazy and even go outside. That was the idea of a mobile phone. And here I am, most of us, with phones, we walk around. We can talk anywhere, anytime that we want, which actually, that's another sermon on, that might be a lot of anxiety and worry right there. And I thought, man, when I was growing up, that's like the Jetsons. That, 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 that just wasn't even feasible except in cartoons. And here I am locked up, worried about it. Jesus didn't say, look at the birds of the air and look how they're flying around with the latest tech gadget from Apple. There's a fascinating paradox in life. Often the more extras you have in life, which is what Jesus was getting to when he said even pagans run after these things, or the pagans run after these things, Often the more extras you have in life, the more stressed out you become and the more distracted you become from the promises of God. Jeffrey Sachs, the former director of the Earth Institute, he developed what's called the Global Happiness Report. And in a nutshell, it says the poorest of the poor would trade places with the wealthy in a heartbeat. So don't get me wrong. The poorest of the poor would trade places with the wealthy in a heartbeat. However, this report says there's no correlation between increased wealth and an increased feeling of happiness. There's absolutely no correlation at all. And the wealth of developing countries like ours has actually created in some ways a happiness deficit. Let me just read just a, a, a snapshot of the report. It says, yet the problems of affluence also strike close at home. Affluence has created its own set of afflictions and addictions. Obesity, adult-onset diabetes, tobacco-related illnesses, eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia, psycho, psychosocial disorders and addictions to shopping, TV, and gambling are all examples of disorders of development. So too is the loss of community, the decline of social trust, and the rising anxiety levels associated with the vagaries of the modern globalized economy, including the threats of unemployment or episodes of illness not covered by health insurance in the United States. Higher average incomes do not necessarily improve average well-being, the U.S. being a clear case in point. So what the happiness deficit idea is, is, is speaking to is this idea that we really often get wrapped up in some of the extras, some of the wants in life, as opposed to intense concern over the need. Does this mean wealth is bad? No. Jesus never said that. But it does mean that we need to be prudent in the way that we live and be ruthless about distinguishing between wants and needs and don't allow ourselves to fall into the trap of becoming anxious about the extras. So as you do battle with worry, check out how much of your worry, anxiety, and even fears that you can eliminate right now by making the commitment under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, I'm not going to worry about the extras. I'm not going to worry about the wants. I'm going to worry about the needs. The well-being 
the physical, emotional, relational well-being of my family and my friends, the, the well-being of the world that you love, the gospel of Jesus, the work of the church in the world today. God, I'm going to worry about those needs and I'm going to just put the wants that I worry about in the proper perspective. God's promise is to meet your needs. So we have look. We have distinguish. And then that very famous passage, we have seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. Another way, a word for seek here is pursue, to focus on, to participate in. Jesus said, okay, all this mental, emotional, and spiritual energy that you're burning on worry and anxiety, take that energy and seek His way and His work in the world. Seek first His kingdom. And everything else will take care of itself. It is to wake up each day and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with today? Lord, infuse me with a passion for your will and your way today. God, use me for your kingdom today. Your joy and contentment will come from participating with God in what God is doing. And two things will happen here when we seek first the kingdom of God. The legitimate issues of concern in your life, the legitimate issues of concern, merimnao, intense concern, will take their rightful place. They will be before the throne of God as you trust God. God will give you everything you need to seek His way and His will in your life. God will. And they'll take their rightful place before His throne. The luster of your wants will fade. The work of God in the world will become your wants. I was on a Zoom call Thursday with pastors from all around Virginia. And my colleagues articulated a, a real palpable sense of weariness of leading their congregations through the pandemic. And I can relate to that. It's understandable. And we experience that here. Yet they all expressed a deep sense of joy and a sense of deep joy in describing how God is leading them to meaningful kingdom ministry in the aftermath. God is healing hurts. God is giving strength. God is pouring out His grace. Indeed, God may very well be preparing us for a significant time of renewal in our churches. I can relate to this as well. I don't know what 2022 and beyond looks like in many ways in the life of Old Town Community Church. But what I do know, what I do know is that God is calling us, beckoning us, wooing us to a place of deep and meaningful ministry post-COVID as we seek to love the people that God so deeply, deeply loves. And as we embrace this season of meaningful ministry, some of the other issues that cause us to worry as a congregation, congregations worry just like people do, some of these issues that cause us to worry will take their rightful place and they will fade. Let me say that again. As a congregation, as we pursue the meaningful ministry that God has for us in 2022 and beyond, some of the other issues that cause us worry will take their rightful place. That is God's promise to us. 
That is God's promise to you. Seek first His work and His way. Seek first His kingdom. Invest in His kingdom. And all these things, all these things will be added unto you. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of Jesus for it. So I invite you this morning to step out of the fog of worry and into the clear sky of God's promise to provide for you. Now, to that point of worry or anxiety or fear that you lifted up to the Lord as we started our teaching time this morning. Bring that back to the the front of your mind. Look at what God has done for you. Distinguish between your wants and your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Amen and amen.